35-38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out, to send out workers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kate. Uh, shall we bow our heads and pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that we've heard already this morning. And now as we hear those words of Jesus, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Speak to us now, we pray, Lord, through your word, to inspire us, to fill us with the same vision you have, to be a part of those who bring in a harvest for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's what Jesus said. I don't know about you, when we uh, live in a town, or a, sorry, excuse me, a city like we do, it's easy to think that we're always surrounded by buildings and concrete and roads and pavements, or you get in your car and you're again on a road and all of these things. Uh, one of my favorite apps that I have on my phone is one called Google Earth. Have you heard of Google Earth? It's a great app. It's where you can go anywhere in the world and you can um, look down like a satellite would look down on the Earth and you see um, all the landscapes and all the things in detail and you can zoom in anywhere you like or go anywhere you like. And if you go over our town or if you go over our country and you keep zooming out a little bit and you see the whole of our country, what colour do you think our country is? It's green. It's green. Because you suddenly realise as you start zooming out that we are surrounded by field after field after field after field. We are mostly field. That's what we are. And that kind of surprises me sometimes because you, we live in a town and a city and you think, where are the fields? But they're there. And actually that makes you realise that most of England is a harvest. It is a harvest. And most of the world is pretty much like that. Well, maybe some desert regions are pretty tough. But it made me realise, of course, that Jesus... When he looks out at the world, whether he's in a town or a city or in a desert or wherever, when he sees people and when he looks out at the world, he sees a harvest. He sees field after field after field of a wonderful harvest that God has been growing. And it's people. It's people. And that excites Jesus. He sees this harvest and he's kind of like one of those farmers that just wants to go out and gather it all in, bring it all in, because that's what you do with the harvest. If you leave a harvest out there too long, it doesn't go well, does it? What you do with the harvest is you gather it in and you store it up in your barns to create something that is amazingly life-giving for the world. 
a harvest. That's how Jesus sees the world. He also sees the world, if you saw it there, um, in verse 36, he saw the people that they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he also doesn't just see a harvest, he sees a flock, but a flock that is untended and unlooked after. Can you imagine what might happen to a flock that has no fence, that has no shepherd, that has no one looking after that flock? It's going to scatter. It's going to be in trouble. It's going to get lost. So he sees lost people, but he also sees a a wonderful, beautiful harvest that he wants to gather in. I also notice what Jesus says here, that he looks at the people and he has compassion on them. Did you see that verse 36? When he saw the crowds, this harvest, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. So he looks at the world, the Lord Jesus, and he sees a people that are harassed and helpless. And he's filled with compassion. How do you view the world? How do you view the world out there? Sometimes uh, I view the world as potentially a dangerous place, full of all sorts of people, all sorts of problems, all sorts of craziness, and I want to put up my fence and my boundaries, and I want to protect myself from the world. Some people look at the world and they see, ah, opportunity for me to make money or to um, get ahead of others and gain power. Some people look at the world and they're filled with worry and anxiety. There's so many problems and so many difficulties. How can we ever get by? Some people see, look out at the world and they just see problems. The world is overcrowded. There's climate problems. There's corruption problems. There's economy problems. And we've got to fix, fix, fix. And Jesus looks out and he has compassion. That's what he sees. That's the way he feels when he looks at the world. He doesn't feel threatened or scared, or does he, nor does he want to take advantage. He sees a people in need, and he has compassion. Now, the Bible is clear. We have got ourselves into a mess. Jesus does say they are harassed and helpless, but it's kind of of our own doing. We have made a mess of things. That's not hard to see, is it? But at the same time, he sees that we are helpless now. We can't dig ourselves out of the messes that we have got ourselves into. Lots of us do have hope that we can fix some problems, maybe. And, and we've all been seeing what's been happening in Glasgow the last days uh, as the world leaders gather together to fix a big problem. But the Bible's clear. When Jesus looks out, he sees that we are, in reality, helpless. We can't fix everything. We can't fix particularly the condition of our own hearts and lives. So Jesus sees this harvest and he sees that he needs to have compassion upon them for we are harassed and helpless. So what else can we learn from this harvest that Jesus sees? Well, first of all, the harvest is precious to God. The harvest is precious to Jesus It is worth something to the Lord. For God, the Bible tells us, he is the farmer who goes out and sows the seed. 
He is the one who goes out and creates and brings new life into this world. He cares for his creation and he cares for the people that he has made. And he sows seed with the gospel and he raises up people for himself. He creates this wonderful harvest. He cares for his harvest. He died for his harvest. But not only is a harvest precious to God, it should be and ought to be precious to the world too. Why? Because a harvest means sustenance and food for the rest of the world, doesn't it? A har- you gather in a harvest and you can make amazing things from a harvest, depending on what the harvest is. It could be bread, it could be pasta, it could be rice could be all sorts of things that you can make with this harvest that is then a blessing of nutrition and life for the rest of the world. Now, I think this this can be clearly seen throughout the history of the church. I know the church has had troubled moments in its history. But the truth of the matter is where the gospel goes, where a harvest is grown, ends up bringing good life to the towns, communities and nations to which it takes root. You can even see that in the Bible, in the Gospels. You can see that in the book of Acts, that when new believers, a new harvest is grown, suddenly this community begins to love one another. And literally it says in Acts chapter 4, there was no one who was in need in the community of the church. There was no poverty. That's, I find that a, 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 an incredible verse. There was no poverty in the church in Acts chapter 4. Why? Because everyone just loved and shared with one another. The church is littered with history of the harvest being a blessing to the world, the church being a blessing to the world. So the harvest is precious. What else does Jesus say? He says the harvest is plentiful, plentiful. In other words, the harvest is vast. You know, we live in um, South End and, and just, well, I'm stating the obvious, we all live in yeah, South End. Um, but in our country and in this town, it can be easy to think that the, that the harvest is not plentiful. You can go from church to church to church and see the struggle, the struggle to have people attend, have new Christians raised up to have baptisms. The situation in England often looks quite bleak, that the harvest is not plentiful. But like we've heard from uh, the group before us, in other parts of the world, the harvest is plentiful. And many, many people are coming into the kingdom of God. We might think Christianity is slightly irrelevant in this country, but in other places, it is the thing. It is the thing that is sweeping across towns, cities, countries, and even governments are worried about it, trying to shut it down because it's taking over. The harvest is plentiful. There are 2.3 billion Christians around the world. Isn't that incredible? Two point, out of a population of, what is it, 8 billion people? That's quite a high percentage. There are Christians in all parts of the world 
Some places, virtually 90% of the population are Christian. Some places, only a few percent are a Christian, but 2.3 billion. What I love about uh, Elam Ministries uh, and what I love about uh, some of these other mission organizations is that they're going to some of the toughest places in the world that often are also the most populated areas in the world too because they have that vision to say the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful and we need to go and gather that in. And although we might think even in this country the harvest is not plentiful, let me assure you it is. It is plentiful. When Jesus looks at our country and our town, he sees millions and millions of people that are ripe for the harvest. But what is the problem? Jesus says it here. But the workers are few. The workers are few. And then verse 38 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Pray to God that he would raise up more people because the harvest is plentiful. Now that worries me slightly because the next point is the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready, says Jesus. It's ready and out there. We've got to gather it in. But surely, though, that means that the time is limited as well, doesn't it? If I said to you, around the fields of South End, the harvest is ready, that means, like literally in terms of fields and crops and agriculture, that would give us, what, a couple of weeks to get it in? Or the farmers to get it in? Before it's too late, before it's gone over, beyond the season and the rains come and it starts to rot and die... I learn this every year with my apple tree. <laughs> my apple tree is plentiful. That, you can see it as you walk down the side there. That tree has a harvest that is ridiculous. I don't know how the Lord does it, but it's more apple than tree, that tree. But literally every day, apples just keep falling from the ground when, it's, when the harvest is ripe. And, and it's too late for us because, I don't know, they've gone moldy or the rats have got them or whatever. A harvest is not ripe and ready for long. Time is limited. And it worries me when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. How many people have we lost and it's too late for we have not gone out with the gospel as we ought to have done? How many it troubles me. I know I tried to put that with the Lord. The Lord, it's your harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. But he says here, but the workers are few. And how many days, weeks and years of my life have I not cared at all? And the harvest is too late. Too late. The work is now. Today is the day of salvation. 2 Peter 3 says that the Lord is patient because he longs for all people to come to the knowledge of his Son. And it then says the Lord's patience means salvation. While there is a today, there is time to gather in the harvest. While there is today, there is time to gather in the harvest. 
but I'm worried. We are, I look out and I see, wow, what a plentiful church. (laughs) What a wonderful congregation we have. We do, and it's tremendous what the Lord is doing in here. But our parish is 8,000 people. That's just this church, 8,000 people. That's the harvest. That's the challenge. And I'm not trying to heap a burden upon you. Oh, Tom's just had a go at us and I've gone home from church. I've wasted my life. That might be the case. (laughs) I want to see it as more the Lord is saying, I want to do this with you. Come on, guys. There's a joy to be had. There's something we can do together. There's a mission we can do that when we embark on it, we will be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy as we see God do amazing things. If we do it together, if we commit ourselves together, I, the Lord of sea and sky, what was the verse there? Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. Some of us are called to be these extraordinary missionaries that go to Ecuador or to Iran or to wherever. Maybe those are the few. They are fantastic. The Lord calls people to do extraordinary things. But be assured, maybe your calling could be that, but it might be just to say, Lord, I'm available. I'm available. I'm available to do, whether it's just with one person or two people or to help the church in a way to do more. The harvest is plentiful. It is ready and it is precious. The harvest is here. It's all around us. And let me just encourage you with this final thought. It all began with just one person, this harvest, the Lord Jesus. It all began with that one farmer who went out to sow seed. And then he gathered around himself 12 more and he said, why don't you be workers with me in this field? And he sends them out. And they must have looked at the world and thought, how on earth are we going to do this? And yet those 12 became 72. And those 72 became several hundred, 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. And they all went out to the ends of the world and suddenly 2.3 billion. What could we do here with just one of you? Then Jesus finally said this. He said in John chapter 12, verse 24, he said, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. How did Jesus get this harvest going in the first place? He died on the cross and he was buried in the earth. And then he sprung to a new life with many, many seeds in it. And we are all part of that harvest that Jesus produced from his own resurrection. Of course he is Lord of the harvest. Of course the harvest is precious to him, for he died for it, 
for every single grain of wheat, every soul on this planet. And we are already a part of it. And as we go out and lay our lives down for Jesus and the gospel, we will see a harvest come in that is plentiful indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for every single Christian brother and sister I see before me now, for the harvest in this place. But I know, Lord, that the harvest is plentiful beyond these doors and that there are many people that you want to bring in. And I thank you, Lord, for those churches and congregations, those harvests in some of the toughest places in the world. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for the Bishop of Marsabit. Thank you for Jill Ball and her missionary team. Thank you for all these people who are 